And I want to add my welcome to Paul's. Uh, my name is Dave, and I'm another of the clergy uh, who work for St. Paul's and St. George's Church. And Christmas is a great time for stories. It's a time, perhaps, when you think of particular stories that come to your mind. Perhaps, if you're a parent, you can think, or maybe when you were a child, of particular stories that you liked to hear at Christmas time. There was always one particular story that each of our children wanted to hear on Christmas Eve. Year after year, we would have to read them that particular story on Christmas Eve. Maybe you associate this time of year with particular stories. Uh, in about an hour and seven minutes' time, there's a new version of A Christmas Carol appearing on BBC One. Apparently, it is absolutely terrifying. Forget the Muppets, forget Michael Caine, forget the sort of cuddly Scrooge or God bless us all. This apparently is the sort of Christmas carol that you will watch from behind the sofa. It is genuinely terrifying and if you do not like horror films, do not watch this edition of A Christmas Carol. Maybe it's Twas the Night Before Christmas. Maybe it's the Nutcracker and the Mouse. Maybe it isn't really Christmas until you have seen the snowman and you've sung that song. Whether it's the Iron Brew version or whether it's the original version, Christmas isn't until you've seen the snowman, it really isn't Christmas. Maybe it's what the Americans like. It's a wonderful life. They watch it again and again and again. Big confession time. I have never, ever watched. It is a wonderful... I know, I know, it's amazing. My movie that I associate with Christmas is Home Alone. That is the one that I just associate with Christmas, and uh, tradition has been that we watch Home Alone, either Home Alone 1 or Home Alone 2. Home Alone 3 and Home Alone 4 were rubbish, but Home Alone 1 and Home Alone 2 are really, really great films, and we will watch one of them usually while we are decorating our Christmas tree. But maybe for you, it is the most festive of all festive stories. That touching, moving, evocative moment when Bruce Willis steps into a Die Hard movie, and whether it's Die Hard 1 or Die Hard 2, again, the best two, the ones after that were just complete garbage, um, but Die Hard 1 and Die Hard 2 are the lovely Christmas classics. Most good stories and fairy tales begin with a familiar opening, once upon a time with a sense of somewhere in the past, whether it's Dickensian London, where a miserly accountant's life is redeemed. Maybe it's a ghostly country house. Maybe it's a home in Chicago with an abandoned child threatened by two manic burglars. Or that lovely festive tale of a snowy airport surrounded by renegade soldiers attempting to rescue a South American dictator and drug baron. <laughs> All the festive scenarios uh, that rolled into one. Well, the account that Mike just read for is from John's Gospel opens with a very different opening to all the other gospel writers. John seemingly writes once before time. For the gospel writer John, the stage, unlike Matthew and Luke, is not Bethlehem. In John's gospel, you don't find shepherds, 
There are no wise men, there are no angels, and there is no star. For John, the universe is the stage. This is no mere local incarnation, but a cosmic coming that begins before the creation of creation itself. With those majestic words that have rolled down the centuries, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. John is telling us that this baby that was born in Bethlehem is no ordinary baby. That this baby didn't simply come into existence 2,000 years ago in a guest room in Bethlehem. These are rich, complex, profound statements not often found in a primary school nativity play. John is deliberately using phrases and imagery that his first century listeners would have identified with. Whether they be Jewish or Roman, Greek, Assyrian or from Babylon, Assyrians and Babylonians, modern-day Turkey, Iran, Syria, and Iraq, countries still in desperate need of the peaceful message the baby born in Bethlehem carried when he grew up. Assyrians and Babylonians composed hymns to the word. For Greeks and Romans, their philosophers had speculated for centuries about the logos, the word. People like Aristotle, Plato, and others had argued about the ground of all being, the rationale behind the universe. And thinkers as modern as Stephen Hawking have searched for the same thing. The eventual goal of science, he said, is to provide a single theory that describes the whole universe. And John says that that theory is to be found in a person, a baby, born in Bethlehem, as the word, the Logos, comes down, as it were, on all fours. The unifying principle at the heart of all existence in Greek and Roman and Assyrian philosophy is to be found in this child that this is God, become a human being, the creator becoming created, God as a fetus, holiness sleeping in a womb, crying in a manger, frail and vulnerable, in need of breast milk before adoration. And why? Why did he come? And why 2,000 years later do we still gather in millions of buildings like this and many, many others not in buildings around the world? Whether it be in the house churches of China where to meet in the name of Jesus results in persecution and perhaps the imminent dis demolition of the building that you meet in, or to the mud huts of northern Uganda where a week last Wednesday I met Pastor Paul who will gather on this Thursday, on Christmas Day, with 4,000 Anglicans in northern Uganda that he leads in his church. And he will, I hope, open and eat the Marks and Spencer's shortbread that I gave him a week last Wednesday. 
Whether it's in the flavelas, the slums of Brazil, or the megachurches in the heartlands of Donald Trump, we will gather. People who go every week and people who go once a year will gather. Singing songs just as we're singing them this evening. Hoping above hope that the message of the carols is true. That the events of that first Christmas and the first Easter. Because, in the words of that great theologian Arsene Wenger, Christmas is important, but Easter is crucial. <laughs> he really did say that. I think he was describing the title race at the time, but actually he was making a profound theological statement. Christmas is important, but Easter is crucial. Because Christmas is actually completed by Easter. The baby didn't stay as a baby. The baby grew up. And in that poem that Rosemary read for us, he was lifted high. Not simply wrapped in cloth by his mother in the manger, but wrapped in cloth as he was taken down from the cross and wrapped in a tomb. Jesus was born not just to live and speak some of the most profound and life-changing words, not just to demonstrate what God looks like, but to deal with the deepest and most profound life and death-changing problem that you and I have as human beings. Morality won't do it. Religion won't solve it. Philosophy can't explain it, and science can't resolve it, and charity can't give enough to meet the need. For in the words of Vlachov Havel, the first president of the Czech Republic, pursuit of the good life will not help humanity save itself, nor is democracy alone enough. A turning to and seeking of God is needed. Christmas is the greatest story ever told, because it's the story of God's love for humanity. With God daring to become one of us, coming down literally to our level to lift us up to his. And it's not just God loving the world. It's not just God loving humanity. But it's also God loving us as individuals, as people known by name to him. It's not just putting our faith in a vague concept, but it's entering into a personal relationship with that baby who was born 2,000 years ago and who changes the way in which we look at ourselves, the way in which we look at the world, the way in which we think about God, and the way in which we view other people in profound ways. It's God loving us, redeeming us, as he becomes a baby and lives and dies to restore us to himself, to make it possible for us to live life on his terms, with his power, peace, and purpose at work in our lives. The Christian faith is not simply a coming to belief in God and then having to do our best, but it's actually living life on God's terms with God's life living in us. Many years ago, a Welsh poet wrote this poem called The Coming. 
and God held in his hand a small globe. Look, he said. The son looked. Far off, as through water, he saw a scorched land of fierce color. The light burned there. Crusted buildings cast their shadows. A bright serpent, a river, uncoiled itself, radiant with slime. On a bare hill, a bare tree saddened the sky. Many people held out their thin arms to it, as though waiting for a vanished April to return to its crossed boughs. The sun watched them. Let me go there, he said. In that poem, R.S. Thomas summarizes the choice that Jesus had. Summarizes the choice that God the Father had. Summarizes the choice that Jesus made to be born 2,000 years ago, to live and die in our place, and then to be raised in that first Easter so that everything in life and death, in time and eternity, would be changed forever. God chose to send his son. His son, Jesus, chose to come. And still, even now, this Christmas, God invites us to choose. To choose whether we believe the words that we've been singing this evening. To choose whether we believe that this son of God really was who he claimed to be. That he wasn't simply a good religious teacher. He wasn't simply a good man. But that he really was God become a human being. Living and dying in our place. In order that we might know forgiveness. In order that we might know hope. In order that we might know freedom in order that we might know love. And this Christmas, perhaps above all Christmases, our world, our nation, needs to hear that message. That we can be accepted. That we can be valued. That we can be reconciled, not simply to God, but also to each other, as well as to ourselves. If we will dare to believe if we will dare to trust and if we will dare to choose that Jesus really is who he claimed to be. Think about your choice this Christmas as Julia and Jess and the musicians sing a song to us and over us about who this baby was. <laughs>